you're listening to a podcast from I'dRatherBeWriting.com. My name is Tom Johnson. Today, I am talking with Adam Altman, uh, founder of Redockly. Um, he's based in Austin. And uh, Adam, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Tell the, the listeners who you are and, and what you do. Sure. So I'm Adam. Thanks, Tom, for having me on. Uh, and I am the CEO and founder of Redockly. I have uh, been an entrepreneur most of my life, most of my career. And uh, yeah, that's what I do. I spend my day leading uh, Redockly, hopefully into the future. Cool, cool. Yeah, you know, I've I've really been a fan of Redockly in in uh, just the API, API doc space. The outputs are like an, a level above in terms of like usability and presentation navigability and everything. Can you tell us a little bit about Redockly, why you started the company, a little bit about its history? Yeah, so it, I di actually didn't even want to start Redockly, but um, the, the way it started out was I had started another company, Rebilly. It's a payment orchestration platform. And a few years into our journey, I had come across uh, Swagger, which is now known as OpenAPI, a specification. And it had a promise to be able to power different parts of the API lifecycle, including ge generating code, mocks, and docs, um, amongst other things. And since docs were the most uh, visible of those things and the most uh, uh, in demand that we needed at Rebilly, I uh, we tried to fire up the tools that existed and it didn't work for us. So I had assumed that we just uh, didn't know what we were doing. We had never used Swagger before. So we thought we just described our API incorrectly. And I found an expert uh, who uh, told us, actually, you described it correctly, but this tools don't handle your use case. And I thought, oh, is our use case really that unusual? Did we do this bad of a job designing our API? The answer is probably yes. But um, the uh, reality is that there are a lot of use cases that the uh, predominant tools at that time didn't support. Uh, after looking for other products for a couple months and not being able to find anything, uh, we decided to create Redoc, which is really just uh, short for Rebilly documentation. And on a whim, we decided to make it open source. Um, and that kind of started the history of uh, Redockly. Wow, you know, that's really interesting. I I didn't know that um, like re the Rebilly was a, a payment orchestration company that you also founded and that you switched like entire almost like companies into the API tool space uh, from your previous one. That's pretty cool. And um, yeah, that, that history is kind of fascinating. You, you, you developed the tool out of a clear need and a gap in the market um, for your, for your own use case and then open sourced and, and, developed other products. You mentioned the open source part, but mm -hmm. uh, can you explain a little bit about like what are the products that, that Redockly provides? We've got Redock, Redockly, and so on. Can you just kind of lay out the main um, yeah. that users might, might use? 
Yeah, so so Redoc, just to, to make it more clear, it renders an open API or Swagger definition. So you, you feed it a document, uh, and it will output HTML, CSS, and JavaScript and make it look readable and good. Uh, we do a pretty good job at that. Of course, we always think we can do better, which is probably why you enjoy our uh, usability and user interface because we don't. So we're constantly trying to figure out how to make it better. And um, the uh, so that's that's like our core or original product. And as um, when we started Redocly, we uh, decided to expand and build a developer portal. The difference being that uh, Redoc it renders uh, an open API description. So it's pure reference information. And there's more content that you need to help communicate uh, APIs. So you, you might need to tell someone what your API is about or how to sign up, how to purchase it. Um, you might need to help them troubleshoot common uses or even just describe common use cases. And so that sort of set of contextual documentation that's relatively important to developers who are trying to determine, you know, is this what I need? And will does this thing work? And will it work for me? Uh, it, 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 ex, extend, it expands beyond what's in an open API definition. So open API is limited, and that's a good thing. It's already complex enough. So uh, but um, so we created this portal to be able to marry these things together so that you could you could blend reference with um, other uh, types of contextual docs, whether it's conceptual docs or guides. and uh, and then, but going beyond that, a lot of companies organize their APIs differently. So they might maintain multiple open API uh, documents. They might be organized by teams or microservices or things like that. And that's what we call an API catalog. So it was important for us to have this uh, API catalog concept in a developer portal. So, these are the two main products that we have uh, today. We do have uh, an open source, uh, uh, another open source uh, project called Redocly CLI, and it has a variety of uh, Open API related tools. So it has a command, uh, Preview Docs, which if you run Redocly, if you install Redocly CLI and you run Redocly Preview Docs, and then you pass it some Open API file it will start on your local host a preview of those docs so you can uh, see what basically what Redoc or Redocly is doing behind the uh, scenes and just do it on your local computer. But that CLI tool has a lot of other commands. And one of uh, the commands we've been focusing on uh, in the most recent years is the lint command and the bundle command. These uh, commands 
the lint command can enforce a set of rules to ensure that what you've got is actually compliant with the open API spec, but going above and beyond that to enforce uh, design uh, standards uh, in your open API uh, definition. Cool. So, so just to summarize, the redoc is more of the API reference generator part, mm -hmm. and that's the open source uh, component. Redocly is the whole developer portal that integrates both the uh, non-reference content and reference content into like one experience, and that's yeah. the premium offering, right? Yeah. And and then the CLI is its tool for working with the API for validating and bundling and 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 doing other other things yeah exactly now you know i've played around with redocly's tools a bit and they're definitely unique um some other api providers take more of a visual experience trying to give you like WYSIWYG editor almost for for the api yours is more targeted to uh more of a code or or um Docs's code experience. Can you talk a little bit about what makes Docly unique from other API uh, solutions? Yeah, I think we we look at the problem differently from from many other uh, uh, people in the industry. So uh, we approached it from uh, the perspective of how can we not leave the tools that we're using and accomplish this. So how can we not, you know, have yet another tool to install? Uh, and we thought about how would we want this uh, to work? And we and we landed on what is known as docs like code. Uh, and we didn't know it at that time, but we found out, oh, this is actually a thing. And people treat their documentation like they treat their code. So they uh, store it in source control, and you can put in place kind of good practices like you would with your code, like enforcing reviews and uh, builds, uh, having successful builds before uh, some docs get shipped. So when we uh, saw this, we realized that this is uh, better for us to embrace. We are focused on building really rich uh, visual experiences for the consumer. And uh, in order to do that, we have to prioritize. So we could decide, do we want to prioritize the uh, uh, producer of the APIs? Now the producer it, are the people that pay us. So, um, you know, maybe I should be quiet here when I say we don't prioritize their experience, but we prioritize the consumer's experience uh, and we feel that this will work out well for us in the long run because the consumers pay the producers and the producers ultimately pay us. So if we can get that to work for them, uh, hopefully uh, they will bear with us uh, until we uh, build a better producer experience. Now, when you say that you wanted to allow the uh people who are creating the API to stay within their own tools and environment. Um, does that mean that you're you're kind of targeting developers as the, the core audience, or are you also including like other other roles? I mean, uh, tech writers versus uh, I don't know, other sort of roles that are working on the on the um, 
open API spec? Yeah, so there's um, there's new roles that didn't even exist when we started Redoc uh, today. Today, so there's uh, roles like API product manager, um, and so what we see is that companies have realized it doesn't take a person to bring an API program to maturity. It takes a team. So it's a team of people. There's usually a product manager, a um, some developers involved, and a technical writer, sometimes developer advocate, if this is a public-facing API, external APIs. Uh, so, and, and sometimes marketing. Uh, this, this team is all generally involved in this uh, experience in, the, in various aspects of the API program. So technical writers, are, I think, a very important part of API programs because APIs are quite technical and uh, they don't uh, typically have uh, user interfaces. So the docs is almost like the product of the API. So it's the it's the box that you look at, um, and even when you unbox it. You're, there's still more docs there, and that's what um, uh, people are buying when it comes to APIs. Yes, the the actual API service needs to work and be functional, but in order to get to the point where you even can find out if it works or is functional, you have to go through uh, an onboarding process to understand is this the right API. Uh, is it going to do what I expect it to do? And um, you know, will we be able to integrate it into our product, or our, you know, whoever wh whoever's consuming this API, will it meet their uh, use case? So all these roles that you were describing, um, can they all sort of uh, collaborate on content development within the Redockly system? Is this a like a space? This is. Because this is like a perennial problem that I think a lot of tool um, vendors kind of struggle with. They want to make it very simple so that like anybody can can author, but at the same time you want to have a, ro a robust tool set that allows for a lot of more advanced uh, authoring needs. How does kind of how do how do you um, cater to both of those skill sets? Yeah, so that's 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 a big question and that's a difficult question and that's kind of uh, led us to where we are going which is uh, we're in the process of building a new product and it's uh, actually a, a whole new product suite it's different from uh, uh, our existing product suite it it kind of was sparked from two things there was the catalyst which is we were not happy with our uh, developer portal a product. Uh, we weren't happy at the rate that we could were adding able to add new features to it. And we had chosen an initial architecture, which uh, wasn't the best architecture uh, for it. So we had made a decision to rebuild the developer portal from the core. So we were not going to use third-party libraries for the most part, and we were rewriting it from uh, the core. And we completed that project this last year, uh, but we, as we were looking at it and understanding the user experience and the different personas we work with, you've got the developer portal itself, 
uh, which is serving a consumer, but then you have the producers uh, of the uh, developer uh, portal, who, which might be the API product manager, technical writer, developer advocate. Um, then you have developers as well, who might be the builders, which is another persona. And uh, each of them uh, have, you know, how, what uh, kind of what experience is our portal optimizing? And it's really optimizing that consumer experience. So we looked at, is there something we could do that we couldn't do before with the producer experience and the builder experience that we can do now, given that we have a new core that we've built from the ground up? And that um, very question is kind of sparked a series of innovation at our company where we've literally paused uh, work on our existing products. And for the past six months, we've been doing uh, innovation to learn primarily, where we are uh, building new, uh, or not building, building's the wrong word. We're uh, making prototypes and using them to learn more about how we can do better innovation to improve that producer experience, which is something that uh, we've decided has become uh, something that, again, just like Redoc and Redocly, I was reluctant. I didn't want to do this, but I felt there was no other option. I feel like this is exactly what's happened again with the producer experience. I just don't see a solution that is working for people that have robust needs that you can satisfy with docs-like code, but have um, a, a more accessible user experience to people who don't know anything about code, perhaps. Wow. Wow, that's kind of interesting. Like, so you're really trying to solve this problem and you're developing and you're you're researching and you're investigating doing prototypes on different models you you mentioned um before we started a, a kind of like <clears throat> a product roadmap with some developments coming is that um what you're you're alluding to yeah it is um at least you know some of some of what i share is the uh the original promise of like that first day that i learned about it was called Swagger at the time. The first day that I learned about that, um, I was intrigued, but it wasn't really until we wrote our Swagger definition and the fired up the tools and it wasn't working for me. And we found a consultant to uh, who ended up telling us we did it right and the tools didn't support it. But I had a four hour long conversation where it was one of those conversations where everything just kind of clicks into place and you're like, oh, this one thing is going to power all of these things and it's going to unify everything. And uh, you know, for uh, at least a few hours, the whole world made sense. The, um, and then to realize that that was uh, more hype than reality, a lot more hype than reality. Now, eight years later, it's still more hype than reality. And I feel like this has to change. So that's like, you know, th that's really probably the prime motivator for 
this series of innovations. And yes, our our product is uh, going to uh, speak to that uh, uh, that issue. You started Redocly back in 2018, was it? Yeah, so we, we started, um, so Redoc started in 2015. And yeah. then in 2017, we incorporated um, and we launched our uh, a self-serve product in 2020. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Well, well, you've been kind of thriving in this API tool space for a while. And I'm just wondering, what do you think is bringing people new users to Redocly uh, uh, when they're looking for API tools? Like what problems are they trying to solve that, that basically Redocly does for them? Yeah, so um, it's, it's the issue. So why, they're cut, why are we growing? It's not because we're good at sales and marketing because we're not, we actually don't have uh, anybody uh, on our team who does sales and marketing. Uh, today, so we're still really a product-oriented company, and what what brings people to us is uh, is that we're building a product that is in the area. So there, it it's the starving crowd phenomenon. So uh, if you, um, th I I think there was the story about a business school professor who who um, who told his class. Oh, if you if you had a hot dog stand and and you could only have one advantage, what would that be? And the class was discussing lowest price, best tasting hot dog, best buns, whatever, best location. And at the end, the professor said, "Oh, it's a starving crowd, right?" Uh, and that's, I think the the thing that's bringing people to us is that this is a problem that is unsolved, and it's a real problem. You know that that affects a significant amount of people, so we're seeing a lot of growth because of that. Uh, I think, of course, I have a strong belief in APIs. Uh, we are using APIs right now, recording this uh, podcast, and even though we're not you we're not integrating APIs, we're not understanding the contract of these APIs, but we're the benefactors of uh, my browser which is sending API requests and streaming my video and, and audio uh, to a service that's being uh, re recorded as well, which is using APIs to you know, store this on a disk somewhere. And this is uh, uh, just a reality that every day people are using APIs. They're ubiquitous, uh, and they're going to continue to grow. But in terms of who can use APIs is not ubiquitous. And that's become our mission to accelerate API ubiquity. Yeah, I like the whole starving crowd analogy for sure. I mean, and and I I certainly agree that like APIs have continued to grow and accelerate. I've watched the traffic on my website. And the main reason people come is for information related to APIs and API documentation. Um, it's kind of, uh, it, it's a little bit astounding to me the sustained interest. And even at my my work, I continue to see an emphasis on APIs and giving people the tools to build what they want uh, through these APIs. And, uh, and, and you know, API documentation continues to be super varied. Uh, I was, a couple of years ago, or maybe one year ago, 
I was a, a judge on these Dev Portal Awards by Pernovix, where we would kind of like, um, I don't know, rank the best developer portals that, that had been submitted into this contest. Uh, and there were like 85 or so that we were looking at. And um, it was kind of really interesting. I th I th think that I saw a lot of Redockly-based APIs because, I mean, there's kind of unique uh, look and feel to some of them that, that I thought was Redockly. Do you have um, a few, like, public examples that you think or that you point people to when they want a, an example of, like, hey, show me some good API documentation. Show me, like, a, a, a company using Redockly in a, in a cool way. Yeah. Um, so we we've got a couple, and we have a uh, like a customer story. We uh, this last year we actually built a customer stories uh, section on our website, uh, which is which is a pretty big a challenge considering we have no sales and marketing people. But um, that uh, allows us to showcase some of our customers. Uh, it's always um, uh, uh, fun to do that and learn about how our product. Uh, has an impact. So one of those is uh, Australia Post. It's the Australian Post Office. And uh, they have a very complex uh, suite of APIs, a, product, a catalog of APIs. And But they expose a few to the public. So you can go without having to log in or sign up for anything and browse a little bit of the catalog. Um, but they... Um, uh, have a lot of complexity in that uh, you could sign up. If you were a partner, you might see a certain uh, set of APIs. And if you're internal, uh, you might see a different set of APIs. So uh, they also uh, have an onboarding experience, which uh, to me is, is um, the developer can register, uh, create credentials, and start using the API. Uh, so, and most people don't don't have that, and I really like that they have this in in their developer portal. That's that's powered by us. So that's uh, cool. Yeah. Ah, my cat is taking over here. Uh, <laughs> usually, never comes up here, and all of a sudden, can't get her off. Okay, come on, kitty cat. Come down. Ah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, you know that that's pretty cool. That the the ability to really like try out. Uh, APIs and and have like an onboarding experience right there to experiment with them has always been the, the fun part of API documentation that I've enjoyed and um, definitely like making the experience interactive so that somebody can see uh, what information you get back how you can tweak it with parameters and and kind of play around with it it's always been like something that made API documentation unique API documentation unique. And different from traditional forms of documentation that are just like instructions that you follow and do elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I I I love that. I'll I'll check that out and I'll include a link to that and any others. Uh, you mentioned the store uh, that you're you you have on your site. I'll link to that as well. Um, you know, it's kind of fascinating that you you uh, you said you're a very product oriented company. You don't really have a lot of sales. You don't have sales and marketing functions. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of curious about that. Like you're an entrepreneur, so you kind of like are very focused on the product. Is your is your philosophy that like if you have a great product, that people will just naturally come to it because there's a, a, a starving kind of need for that product? 
Well, I'm I'm not uh, that naive, but um, I I do really believe that the key to building a good business is in the value creation process, and that value comes from a few things. I do think sales and marketing is quite important because you need to be able to communicate what you do. Uh, so I think we can improve at that quite a bit, but um, there is kind of like a, uh, a I guess a, uh, you've got a spectrum and you, on one side of the spectrum, you have self-serve, right? People, uh, uh, self-serving and you can make a, a parallel analogy to API documentation. There was a time when if you wanted to integrate another company's APIs, you'd have to have a phone call. And you'd set up a phone call, you'd talk with someone at the other end, and they would ask you, what do you want to do? And why do you want to do it? And eventually, they might send you through like a sample uh, request. OK, you do, do this, or a sample bit of code. This is Here's the code that will do what you're asking for. No documentation. And you're going back and forth with a human. And that, of course, is not, you know, very cost effective and it's, it's also really limiting because it's it repels a lot of people every time you want to learn something oh i have to call talk to a human that means a human has to pick up the phone if they don't then you've got scheduling issues all kinds of uh, problems so documentation is doing the job that uh the sales engineers and support engineers uh, uh do as well so I, I'm not suggesting that documentation replaces sales engineers and support engineers. Uh, but I'm also suggesting that you shouldn't have sales engineers and support engineers replace having documentation either. So uh, and, and in, in the same way, I think when it comes to uh, building a company, why are we so focused on the product right now as opposed to uh, the, the sales and marketing? is because the most important aspect of sales and marketing is that starving crowd, finding that market and understanding them. So we're less focused on uh, competitor insights at our company. We don't pay that close attention to competitors. Uh, we see a lot of competitors coming and signing up and secret browsing our products, but we don't generally don't spend too much time doing any of that. Uh, we uh, spend our time on what I would call customer insights, talking to customers or prospects, understanding how what they're looking for, what they're trying to accomplish, um, and and asking them uh, to make a series of choices, like hmm. different trade-offs. Would you rather have A or B? And we this help us form our uh our view of the world and we do think if we can build a better product that delivers superior value uh, uh, we will benefit from uh, word of mouth uh, marketing and allow us to um you know accomplish the same sort of reach as a company that you know has uh earmarked 100 million of dollars of venture uh capital for uh, doing a, a big go-to-market push. 
that's that sounds like that seems like a genuine insight this kind of paying close attention to customers and, and what they want and giving them different options and hearing their trade-offs um is that is that like a an insight you've always had as a as an entrepreneur developing products and so on or is this something you've learned since uh starting redockly like i'm just kind of curious was there any any like new insights you've had being in this space for the last five years uh, in developing API tools? Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a learning machine. I don't uh, I don't uh, think I know that much yet. So there's always more that I need to uh, to learn and understand. I think uh, being able to uh, keep an open mind uh, is important when you're trying to understand a market and what they need. Uh, so these are these are new things that I've learned uh, while uh, at Redockly, and there's a lot that I've learned while at, at Redockly. Um, but um, in terms of just how to uh, do innovation, like we had to totally change the way we think in order to do innovation, because uh, what is the way uh, you you think when you're building a product or build? Okay, if you need to build a new feature. Uh, you you want to understand the outcome, ex the exact outcome, and then you want to probably write some tests for it if you're doing a test-driven approach, or um, if you're doing a test in parallel, and you probably want to write documentation. Sometimes we do also do documentation first. And uh, if you if you take this approach to innovation, you end up over-engineering uh, in when you're really the outcome is not what you thought it was it's not to build this thing it's to learn <laughs> so when when we finally realized that you know we we need to let go of writing tests and even having function things be functional and just take the approach of how what can we do what's the like how can we increase our time to learning and put this in a loop so that we can keep learning uh, with uh, you know product innovation. So that that way, when it, the time comes, we can build it right, and we I can switch modes and go back to our you know the the mode that everyone is most comfortable in in our company at least is yeah we're going to write a lot of tests we're going to have a you know it's going to have a high test coverage it's going to be ro robust and. You know, but you want the opposite when you're doing innovation. It shouldn't be robust. It should be uh, based on speed of learning. Hmm. I like that. I like that. I mean, uh, definitely like with, it seems as if things in the technology space are changing so fast that uh, we do have to have an open mind and constantly learn at an accelerated speed. So it seems like that's a essential characteristic to sort of thrive and adapt in this constantly changing landscape that we're in. Well, um, Adam, if people want to find out more about Redockly, uh, wh where would you send them um, on the web here? Yeah, they could go to redockly.com, R-E-D-O-C-L-Y.com. Hopefully, we're not too hard to find. And uh, you know, they could also sign up for my newsletter called API Wisdom, uh, which uh, uh, you know, hopefully, I can share more of my personal thoughts about the journey uh, that we're on, uh, and uh, you know, it's less about probably 
wisdom, but uh, <laughs> more about the experience and the journey. Uh, so yeah, that's probably uh, what I would recommend. Great, great. Well, I'm, I'll I'll include links to both of those, both the newsletter, the site, and other resources in the in the show notes here. Thanks so much for uh, doing this podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm.